Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 1871 podcast with Johnny Hunt and me, Mark Roach. And Johnny, it's three months today since our first episode. Time flies, doesn't it? It certainly does. Did you realise that? I actually didn't. I didn't realise it's been been a bit of a... The 15th of February, day after Valentine's Day, was our first episode, our introduction episode with Andy West. Um, And uh, I enjoyed that episode because obviously it was the first one. Um, but also Andy, you know, we asked Andy about his favourite moments and he said it was that Jamie Curiton goal against Brentford. Yeah. So um, that was a nice way to start. And actually we're doing, we're going to do an episode um, at the end of May, looking back on all the guests we've had and stuff that they've said. So looking forward to that one. And and this one is already episode 56 because <laughs> when, we, when we started... Um, the original plan, believe it or not, was that we were going to do one episode a week. Um, and then and then we thought, oh, well, let's do two a week. And then someone, I don't know if you remember, someone suggested a, to us, can you do three episodes a week? <laughs> no, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, let's do five instead. <laughs> yeah, but what was happening, well, seven in the end, yeah. what, what was happening was that, y- you know, me and you, we're sort of contacting ex-players and just lots of ex-players were saying yes. So if you think about it, uh, we it's three months today since we started. If we'd have stuck to one episode a week, 56 episodes would have taken us, you know, beyond a year. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of yes. a job that we did and it, it's been quite, you know, quite intense to do one episode a day, but it's been driven by, um, you know, all the players, all the ex-players that have said yes. So, yeah, you know, if you think of everyone that we've we've had on, and and we we're now starting to get some of the guests that have been on are going to come back. So, Graham Murty is going to come back. Ibrahim yeah. Tonko is going to come back. Um, a few others as well. Um, and obviously, we have Dylan on uh, a fairly regular basis, at least once a week. I think it is, isn't it? So. Um, so we're continuing with daily episodes until the end of May. And that's when series one finishes. And then we will be restarting with series two in mid-June. So we'd be having a break of um, two weeks. Um, and on today's episode, we're choosing our greatest Reading manager from the last 50 years. And we'll also be looking at the chairman who have been key to the Royals' progression and success over the last 50 years as well. Now, there's only really two to talk about, but 
we'll we'll be talking yeah. about them after we've selected our greatest Reading manager from the last 50 years. And then on tomorrow's episode, we'll be looking back at Reading women's season. So that's available from 6.30 tomorrow. And then on next Sunday's episode, we're taking a look back to the record-breaking Royals in the 80s, who won their first 13 games at the beginning of the 85-86 season. So really looking forward to, to that. That was my start of supporting Reading, really. And, you know, it's kind of at the start of your time supporting Reading, wasn't it, John? Yeah, yeah. yeah I remember those days. Different world. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, who knew that you would go on to be a, a co-host and sometimes a host on... <laughs> you know, who knew what a podcast was back then? Oh, geez, I was remembering. I was actually remember I was playing it was a game on the Commodore 64 football management game where I managed Reading. It was one of those, I don't know what it was called, but it was, you know, Trevor Senior scored loads. Um, it wasn't any, any footage of the that's game. Like, it was just, that's just like in real life then. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was you know, a different era, wasn't it? Yeah, I, there was a club manager game that I played that I quite liked and it was the, the, the tactical one where you just sort of get, it plays out the game. You don't get, you don't see yeah. players. But um, what's it, championship manager or football manager or something, something like that? Yeah. So I enjoyed that, and and I I did cheat sometimes. So if if I was losing and I needed to win it, you know, hold my hands up, I'm guilty. I, I sort of I, I I stopped that game and started again. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I don't know why I admitted that. <laughs> I do that with FIFA. <laughs> I've let a goal in right and starting again. No, just a just a bit <laughs> bit of fun, really. Yeah. Um, so you you've been in charge for the last two two episodes um, with Mirror Pictures and Andy Halls yesterday. Uh, did you enjoy that? I did. Uh, like I know you know really wasn't people's cup of tea having a, a journalist from the Sun on, but it's about the fact that he's a Reading fan, um, and also he's been very supportive of some of the, the walks and mental health and that. So you know if people took offence to to having him on, then you know I'd apologise. But it it was about him as a Reading fan. And obviously we don't know, you know, we don't get what people say to the point when they come on with us, um, unless yeah. it's something offensive. So, you know, that's that's what it's about. So, you know, um, yeah. we, we try to have varied guests on this. You know, it's not just that's, about footballers and managers. And that's it. And he's, you know, mentioned fundraising and he's doing fundraising himself. He's, you know, um, he's away this weekend. We recorded the episode uh, all yeah. this weekend and, and he's uh, climbing up Ben Nevis and, couple of other mountains to, to yeah rate. yeah fair play to for that so yeah you're you're absolutely right I mean we never know but we just say I think you said um what do you make of the the current situation at Reading and that's when he said what he said which was a bit controversial um and um so yeah he's a he's a Reading fan he's a Sun journalist um Andy Halls and he he claimed um, and we put this out on Twitter and it, it has had a bit of a reaction. He claimed that, that Paul Ince only took the job to give his son more game time. Or actually what he said was a, an ex-Reading player had told him that yeah. that um, that's what Paul Ince had told him. Um, so, we, I mean, we don't know. As you said, you know, we, we you just asked the question, what do you make of the, the current Reading situation? And maybe Paul Ince did said that did say that, but a, a few people have, you know, commented on on Twitter that um, perhaps he did say it, but maybe he meant it as a joke because he sometimes yeah. jokes about his son, uh, uh, and we don't know. Um, and it's also worth pointing out 
that that Tom Ince was a first team regular before Paul Ince joined the club. Yeah. And actually, I'd say he's probably one of Reading's best players towards the end of the season. What what do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, he's a good player. Like, you know, anything in you know, people make comments or or, you know, things are said and and you know, that's unfortunately the nature of life, isn't it? People can read into something whatever way you can, a text message or um, you know, but that's part of, you know, we've had, you know, lots of different managers and players on that have said different things that um, we didn't know about and have maybe caused a bit of uh, discussion. But, you know, we're not here to be judging what people say. You know, to me, you know, it's having Reading fans, a Reading connection, like having the mirror pictures, you know, people wouldn't have heard of them as a band, but they're, they're a local band um, with a story. And, and that's, to me, it's, you know, that's part of what we do. We all have our own journeys as Reading fans, don't we? You know, and that's oh, yeah. just interesting to yes, see, see different eras, you know, yeah. and, some and are more hair than others. <laughs> and the journey is a roller coaster, isn't it? But, you yeah. know, over 50 years, some some good times, you know, record-breaking Royals, like I've mentioned. Yeah. In the 90s under Mark McGee, and we're going to mention Mark McGee uh, in a bit. And then obviously the 106 season, going up to the Premier League, finishing eighth, um, relegation, and then back up with Brian McDermott. Um, And then the other thing that that Andy said, I ought to point this out as well, he he said that he'd been told by an ex-player that none of the legends are being paid expenses to take part in the anniversary game next weekend, and he said that he doesn't agree with that. Um, Now, I've been in contact with one of the local journalists and he says the club told him that the players have been offered um, overnight stay at the hotel and, quotes, the opportunity to discuss funding of travel cost. Because I think, uh, and he mentioned Marcus Hanneman and Bobby Convey, didn't he? I think they are both playing. I think so. They're both based in the US, aren't they? So I... I, I I don't know, really. I don't have a, I don't have a strong opinion about it either way. But again, yeah. we we don't know. That's something nah. that he's said that an ex-player has told him. Uh, apparently, the club has come back and said, "No, that's not, that's not right." Yeah. So you know that that's kind of why we get these guests on to find out things we don't know. And look, yeah. we understand why people, you know, and some people have said, "Why did you even get a Sun journalist on? Shame on you." Um, and if that person's listening, you might recognise that that was your uh, post on on Twitter, your tweet, should we call it? Um, but yeah, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, and actually, what's really important to say is that we're representing the the fans, so we're kind of, you know, we see ourselves as a voice of the fans. But actually, this podcast is mostly about going down memory lane. You know, all all the players that we we talk about. And obviously, the other the other podcasts that that are out there are, are more about the the current side, um, but we're mostly um, talking to ex players about you know the uh, their memories of of playing for Reading, mm. and like you say, other guests as well. So um, we we hope that people enjoy it. Um, if you don't, you don't have to listen. But if you do, then uh, um, yeah. I mean, it's we, we've had some, we've had some very good feedback. Um, so thanks to everyone who's yeah. been in touch. But look, um, 
let's uh, let's get on to choosing our greatest Reading manager from the last 50 years. And we've got a short list and we'll give our reasons for <clears throat> why the following managers are on the short list before we choose our greatest manager from the last 50 years. Um, now, I suspect that there's a, a couple probably that are going to um, come down to, you know, who we're going to choose from. But there are some significant moments in Reading's history over the last 50 years and we want to talk about the managers that are responsible for that so we're going to tell you our shortlist first um, and the shortlist is as follows for greatest Reading manager from the last 50 years so we've got Morris Evans, Ian Bramfoot, Mark McGee, Alan Pardew, Steve Koppel, Brian McDermott, Steve Clark and Yap Stam. Now, anyone who's listening to that list, you're kind of automatically going to be taking at least two of those off that list, I would think. Um, but let, let's sort of talk about those individual managers. And we're going to do it in order. So going back to the 70s with Morris Evans, he was Reading manager for seven years from 1977 until 1984. Uh, and the, one of the main reasons he's on the list is he won, uh, well, Reading won a Division Four title under him in 1979. Um, and Reading hadn't won a title for more than 50 years prior to that. Um, also, he signed two of the greatest Reading players of all time from non-league, Kerry Dixon and Trevor Senior. You know, two of the greatest Reading yeah. goalscorers in, in the club's history. Um, he was also manager when the proposed merger with Oxford United came about, so that can't have been easy. And and I think I'd go so far to say with Morris Evans that he was really the, the manager where everything that was to follow over the next 50 years, that's kind of where it all started from. Because if you think 1979, the win Division 4, get promotion, um, and then Ian Brownfoot comes in, uh, takes, takes it to the so Morris Evans, yeah. when when you hear people talk about him, people that remember the Red Inside in in the seventies and the early eighties when he was manager, um, you know, not only was he a, a decent manager, but to to a lot of people, you know, he was a great man, you know, a really nice guy. Um, did you? I don't suppose you've ever met him, have you? No, no, no. But I think his standing in in the game. And Reading is is a gentleman, wasn't he? And I think everyone's the respect that he had um, in the club and outside was huge. And what yeah. he did at Reading, like you say, it's, it's, the, it's the starting block, wasn't it, for the for the, for the fifty year journey? You know, to yeah, get out of was. and, and uh, you know, I mentioned a few things there. A first title in more than more than fifty years. So it was um, was in the nineteen twenties before that. Can you imagine being a Reading fan? You know, from the 1920s onwards and uh you know we've had we've had a lot of success over the last 50 yeah. years you know every every decade really apart from this current one um over the last 50 years we've, we've had success um but yeah more than 50 years for a for a title um and then I think he was the man that signed Kerry Dixon and Trevor Senior yeah. um so that's a lot to that's why he's on the list, and he's kind of the—I think he's the godfather of this list, isn't he? Really? <laughs> yeah, 
looked, yeah, the elder statesman. He looks a bit like the Godfather with his. He had his dark hair and smoking a cigar. See yeah. a picture of him smoking a cigar. So he kind of looked like a um, a manager, didn't he? he? Looked like a yeah. football manager, I think. Yeah, old school manager, wasn't it? In those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That image. But what, the players that we've spoken to, so we've had Trevor Senior on, and he just said it was. I'm not sure if he used the word family. I can't remember, but he described Reading at that time as being, it was very much community focused. It was like being part of a family, even if he didn't use that actual word. Uh, and a lot of that comes from the manager, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that does. Um, and that, you know, that you say to get those two players to Reading legends um, in itself, isn't it? Is is huge. Yeah, and we we yeah. had some we, Reading have had some great strikers, Kerry Dixon being one of them, of course, um, and went on to achieve great things with with Chelsea, but did really well at at Reading. Obviously, Robin Friday we all know about, and Doyle and Kitson and um, you know Lafondre, people people like that in in recent times. But in terms of number of goals and yeah. reliability as a goal scorer, for me. Trevor Senior, the, the greatest Reading goal scorer of all time. Not the greatest player, and he admitted nah. that. But, uh, no, yeah, so Morris Evans was was the man that brought him to Reading. And then um, Ian Brownfoot took over from Morris Evans in 1984. I believe he took it. I don't think there was anyone in between, was there? Um, and Ian Brownfoot uh, was manager from 1984 to 1989. And he, he actually took Reading from Division 4, as it was back then, the equivalent of League 2 now, into Division 2, which is now the championship. Um, you had the record-breaking Royals in 1985, Division 3 champions at the end of that season, um, Simog Cup winners, 1988. And for me and many Reading fans who go back supporting the club, you know, all those years. Um, and I think you're included in, the, in this, yeah. well, Johnny. Simog Cup, it was just one of the greatest days as a Reading fan ever, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's still talked about. It's been talked about. Yeah. about kits based on it this season, isn't it? You know, it was yeah. a time, yeah. you know, a very successful time to get, first time to get into that championship or Division 2 as it was. It was huge, wasn't it? I know we didn't do as well, but it was still a big uh, yeah. moment in our history. And that... Um, you know, 1985, I, I remember that really well, record-breaking Royals, and we're going to be talking about that next Sunday. Um, so we won't go into too much detail, but um, 13 wins at the start of the season, and a lot of those wins were by one goal. Yeah. Which kind of suggests the, the character of, of, the, of the side. I don't know. Um, that, that's how it feels like to me. But we will be talking about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> on next week's episode, uh, looking back at the record-breaking Royals. So so that's Ian Bramfoot, um, Division Three champions, record-breaking Royals, Simog Cup winners, took Reading up two divisions. And again, I think that kind of laid the foundations for what was to follow. Um, and then we move into the 90s, um, you know, and we know very often with... Supporting Reading, it's a roller coaster ride. So, you know, the 80s and, and the 90s, it wasn't all glory days, was it? There were a few uh, yeah. not very good seasons in that time. Well, you could see, 
like you say, you can see you can see the momentum building as such, can't you? To where we went, like you know, the style of football changed from yeah, brand to progression. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and and, um, and then the next manager on the shortlist is is Mark McGee. So, um, Division Two champions in 1994, Division Two, which is League One now, <clears throat> and then that team went so close to going straight up into um, the Premier League um, or Premiership, I think it was back then, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and the only reason, well, I don't know if, if it would have been any different, but um, they restructured the, the Premier League. So the only reason that um, Reading didn't go up automatically that season was because of the restructure. Only Only one went up and it was Middlesbrough that won the title, wasn't it? But yeah. Reading were only three points behind in second place, went into the playoffs, um, got to the final, um, two nil up. Stuart Lovell <laughs> had a chance to score from the penalty spot to make it three nil. Goalkeeper saved it. Bolton come back, two all went to extra time, and Reading lost four three in extra time. But that was just such a brilliant team to watch, wasn't it, under Mark McGee? Yeah, and brilliant characters, as we know. You know, we've had Dylan on and a few of the other lads played in that time, and it was a special, a special team, special characters. And obviously, you know, Mark left halfway through that season, but like you say, what he built in that team, and another foundation for what came after, isn't it? Um, and the way they played, the football was good. Um, and again, I think because we were the underdogs, no one, no one saw us finishing second in that league did they that season and you just wonder because it was so close to going up into the Premier League you just wonder you know and obviously the 106 team went on to finish eighth the following season with that momentum from the previous season you know who who knows what would have happened because a lot of the players left after that didn't they yeah yeah, yeah. the Shaka Hislop, Simon Osborne um, Dylan and you know, a lot, a lot of the others. Um, but if Mark McGee had stayed, I mean, if Mark McGee had stayed, there's no guarantee that Reading would have gone up. We, we ought to say that. Um, but if he'd have stayed, Reading had gone up, um, you know, it'd be, it would have been really interesting to see how they got on in the Premier League that season. I don't know, maybe that would have been a, a season too far because they'd come up two divisions and, such a massive jump. Yeah. Obviously, we'll never know, but they did get very close. It would be interesting to see some of those Premiership boys playing at the Elm Park, wouldn't it? <laughs> Choose like the floodlights, you know, the big teams of that era coming down there to have a go at our lads with some experience. Yeah, but they, 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 you know, it was typical Reading that the only season, no, no second place team goes up and us, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I don't know, maybe. Um... You, you don't know because that was set at the start of the season, of course. Yeah. So everyone knew that was the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it doesn't. I don't know. Um, yeah, they did finish second, so um, it was Still had an achievement, wasn't it? It was, and and that was you know that was a great season following up from the the title the previous season, and and I think you know the dynamic of that team, and it was just such. Uh, such an entertaining side to watch as well. Really attack-minded. Mark McGee, yeah. striker, of course. And that kind of really filtered through in, into the team. You had Dylan, you know, 
attacking from fullback. They they weren't wing backs, so Andy Bernal, they 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 were actually left back and right back, but they were attacking so they weren't wing backs, but they kind of were in a way as well, weren't they? Yeah, and you had and you had the, the, the steel then of Parkey in this field, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Um and you know, and, and decent centre backs like AD, you know, yeah, it was yeah. just a it was a team, wasn't it? It was a unit of players and the players that came in, the fringe players did the job. Yeah. And those what the main guys were injured. And then like anything, isn't it, with a successful team, it's momentum builds and it keeps going and, and the confidence is up yeah. and they keep playing and, and that's what happened, wasn't it? Yeah. You just run out of steam. And and you've got um players like Shaka Hislop, he went on to play for Newcastle, West Ham, Portsmouth. Did he play for Portsmouth in yeah. the Premier League? Yeah. I can't remember. Um, yeah. Simon Osborne. I mean, Simon Osborne, and he was a, a Mark McGee signing, I think, wasn't he? Um, you know, he, he for me, going back over the last 50 years, like absolutely one of the greatest Reading midfield players. Yeah. Uh, and obviously you talk about people like Sidwell, but... Um, you know, you have Parkinson, you had Simon Osborne, um, and he's just. And I got the feeling that when he left, Reading just never replaced him, and it just took it took a while for things to get going again after that because it was, it, you know, it was a bit of a slump after that when those players left. But yeah, um, and the but, change in management as well, I think, wasn't it? You know, the players, few of the players have mentioned that they weren't favourites of. Quinn and um, Gooden's style, I think that was... Well, they also, those two, they they changed to um, five at the back, didn't they? Yeah. You did have Michael Jilks playing as wing back. So, you know, Dylan's talked about that. Um, and it must have been hard as well, going from being players in that team to then managing them as well, isn't it? It's not like you've come in as player managers from outside to do it. You're there and then all of a sudden you've got to change your role. Yeah. Difficult. Yeah, I, I've had that. I don't know if you've ever had that situation, but I do remember I've had that situation once where I've been working as part of a team with somebody um, who was doing the same job as me, and then they got they got promoted, so they were manager of the team. And you do kind of think, well, hold on a minute. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. You want to stay professional, but like um, yesterday, you were doing the same job as me. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe that says more about me. I don't know. I've been there myself in my own, you know, even in nursing. It's happened, and it, you know, and you're kind of going, oh, hold on a second. I think I think probably a lot of the players thought that they, you know, they're going. Someone like Phil Parkinson is just going to be professional and get on with it. But I would think that some of the players just think, well, um, you know, hold on a minute, you're now managers and. Yesterday you were just players like the rest of yeah, the rest yeah. Of them. and they and they tried to and I think the issue was they tried to kind of impose their own management yeah. style on it and some of the players didn't like it and Stuart Lovell's talked about it, Dylan's talked about it. Yeah. Um but look, we're we're gonna talk about um uh some other managers now yeah. and, and moving on to Alan Pardew. So Alan Pardew came in nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and three. And actually, one of the things that, that really got Reading moving in the right direction during Alan Pardew's time was Martin Allen coming in and really shaking things up. And you could, you know, you could see the impact that Martin Allen had. But of course, Alan Pardew was the person that identified Martin Allen. Yeah. Someone to come in and do that 
that role. So that in itself um, was a good kind of managerial decision. Um, and if you just look at the progression under Alan Pardew, you, you know, you're going back to League One, um, Reading finished 10th in his first season, uh, and then third, and then second, got promoted. Um, obviously, that third place, the, the playoff final, didn't work out, but then one, one promotion in 2002, that um, famous game at Brentford. And then the following season, fourth in the championship as well. So he kind of he kind of replicated um, in a way what Mark McGee did. Um, yeah. but he was the the, the ex players that that we've had on people like um, John Mackey, John Salako. Um, they all talk really highly about Alan Pardew, and he wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but a great manager. Yeah, definitely. And he, again, he, he took us to an, another level, didn't he? Um, the way we played, um, the play that, and, and the, the, the players that came in to that team that he got in, like Salako, um, the experienced players around, you know, the, the, the you know, getting um, Sidwell, Harper, you know, that team was a special team, wasn't it, in its own own right? Yeah. Again, that start of the, what came under Koppel. That's it. Was and the I, foundation, wasn't it? And I think with, with Pardew, he, he then, Obviously, after Mark McGee left, things sort of fell apart after um, the end of that season. And then it was Alan Pardew who kind of sort of got Reading back to to where Mark McGee had got them almost. Yeah. Um, and then took, took them on again, you know, promoted and then fourth in the championship. And then he really laid the foundations for what was to follow because... After he left, it was only, um, you know, two years later was the, the start of that 106 season. Um, and obviously, we're going to come on to talking about Steve Koppel. But Alan Pardew was responsible for putting the wheels in motion, putting the foundations in place to allow Steve Koppel to come in and take Reading yeah. to another level, wasn't he? So. And I think it, you know we, people have said as well, and it, it, you recognise when when the Martin Allen effect wasn't working anymore, didn't he? And changed it again. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a sign of a, of a good manager. As he went on to do when he left Reading, even though the circumstances wasn't great, wasn't it? he? He managed at a high level um, very successfully. Yeah, and um, also I think with Martin Allen, it's well worth saying that he said to Martin Allen, "Will you?" I'm going to leave you. This is your responsibility yeah. um, to work with the players. You do it your way. And Martin Allen did it his way. Yeah. We all know that. Um, but Allen Pardew gave him free reign to do that. So Martin Allen was a guest. He talk, came on the um, the podcast and he talked about, um, I think it was Martin Allen who was telling us about that time on the bus when he went to Allen Pardew yeah. and said, right, Stop the bus. We're all going in the pub for an hour. Yeah. Alan Pardew said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, absolutely serious. And so Alan Pardew just let let him do that. And that that is the sign of a good manager. Yeah. That you've got. And and that's kind of what's missing at the club at at the moment, isn't it, really? That you haven't. I think we're, you know, we're hearing that it looks like Mark Bowen's coming in as director of football. I think people welcome that as as a positive move. 
So it's kind of the owner saying, okay, well, actually, we probably do need that. Where, you know, if you think about the John Madeski days and the success of that, it was John Madeski saying, I'm going to focus on the business stuff and I'm going to let you focus on the football side of things because you, you're yeah. you're the expert, I'm not. And that's, you know, that's the way to do it. I, I always say, you know, when, if I get on an aeroplane, you want the pilot to fly the plane because yeah. it's the best qualified to fly, fly the plane, you know, so... It's trust, isn't it? It's trust in, in the people that you employ to do a job. It's not it about is. being being controlling of everything, every element of a, a club or whatever it is you run it because good management applies in any field, doesn't it? Whether it's football, nursing, whatever you do, if you're, if you're a good manager, you let you manage people in the right way um, and that, that you allow them to, to use their own judgment and their skills and their abilities. And there's obviously, yeah, and, and, and being able to discuss, uh, you know, a, a, like a lot, a lot of the managers we've had on, the, the assistant manager has been so important yeah. to them, hasn't it? Well, the combination. Yeah. You know, that balancing that's really works. Yeah. Has worked so, already. So that's Alan Pardew. And then um, Steve Koppel came in 2003. <laughs> and uh, he was at Reading for best part of six years until 2009. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, just look at his progression. So championship, ninth, seventh. And then first, the 106 season. So he really picked up the baton from Alan Pardew and took Reading <laughs> on to a new level. Wally Downs came in. And then, obviously, after the 106 season, um, eighth in the Premier League and then relegated. Bit unfortunate in a way to be relegated. But then fourth the following season, I think, in the Championship. Yeah, yeah. just run out of steam with that season. Yeah, so... You know, what are your thoughts about Steve Koppel and what he did for Reading? Uh, unbelievable. I mean, he, again, you know, it wasn't just down to him. We talked about the stepping stones that have happened through these different eras. You know, it wasn't Steve just coming out of, out of the blue and made the club what it was, was it? He, he's a smart, intelligent football man as manager. He obviously saw what was needed to be done. And a couple of the players that we've spoken to um, that left, when he came in and he said, you're not the player for me. And they went fair enough because he see, he see where things needed to be changed again, wasn't it? It's just like another step up, getting a yeah. certain quality of player in. And he, and, he, and he just had that way around him as a manager, wasn't he? And I think there's nobody really, we said, has ever fallen out with him. They might disagree with him, but they have so much respect for him. Yeah, and I, I think also... You know, if we, we talked about Alan Pardew getting Martin Allen to come in and giving him responsibility for what he did. Um, and, and Steve Koppel, as well as being, you know, a fantastic manager and just judging it on the results, um, you know, and what he achieved, um, just a, a brilliant manager for Reading. But also he did the, the same as Alan Pardew did it in that he gave responsibility to to other people so Wally Downs yeah. came in worked on on the getting the defense right and all those drills and practice 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 but also the scouting network so yeah. you had Brian McDermott involved obviously Nicky Hammond um, Pat Dolan Eamon Dolan if we're talking about Kevin Doyle and then Steve Copper was the final person I think to go over and see Kevin Doyle and he said, didn't he, when he came on, he couldn't really 
see what they've been seeing in Kevin Doyle, but he stayed right to the end and Kevin Doyle got a late goal and he thought, oh, now I get it. And um, took a judgment call, signed him and, you know, what a player he was. So it's all of those things. It's not yeah. just, you're not just judging him on what he achieved in terms of where Reading got to. Um, you're judging him on on everything that goes with being a manager and that includes delegation. But, yeah. I mean, you've only got to look at the 106 season and then finishing eighth in the Premier League. Can you imagine yeah. before Steve Koppel came in, even when Alan Pardew was there? Yeah. You know, just it, it, you're thinking when Alan Pardew's there, if we get up to the Premier League and we stay up, that's success. Yeah. Um, you look at you look at what Brighton have achieved. Um, you know, because they were in a similar position to Reading. They've gone up into the Premier League doing really well. You know, they're now kind of established in the Premier League and we've had their CEO on, Paul Barber, talking yeah. about that. Um, and, um, yeah, Reading kind of almost got it right in that <laughs> yeah. second yeah. second, but not, just not not quite. And then it's think- been difficult since then. I think the investment thing, wasn't it? The people have said that second season, we didn't really invest enough in the team to take it to yeah. where it needed to be. I mean, even like then we were talking, isn't it? wasn't it goal difference we went down on? Yeah. And that's how well, fine margins of football again, isn't it? And it was a, a bit unlucky in a way, but I think Kevin Doyle said um, that they probably, you know, without sort of doing this on purpose or consciously, they probably did get a little bit complacent Oh, we finished eighth last season. We're we're doing quite well this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you know you get f- found out in the second season, don't you? A bit like Leeds. Um, yeah, and I think missing you know Sidwell was a huge loss that season, wasn't he? He never replaced him. Yeah, a bit like Osborne. So there are parallels yeah. on there, but obviously yeah. on a on a different level. So so that's Steve, <coughs> Steve Coppel. Um and then Brian McDermott, you know, at, at the club. Uh, for a long time, um, but as manager, 2009 took over from Steve Koppel until 2013, and then came back for for a brief spell. Obviously, won the championship in 2012, went up into the Premier League, didn't work out, got relegated. Um, but Brian McDermott, you know, not just a great manager for Reading uh, that title winning season ten years ago, um, but just a great servant and everything he did before. So not just as a manager, but, no. uh, and, and he said, we, you know, we, we had him on as a guest and he said he was a bit of a reluctant manager, wasn't he? But yeah, um, everything he did before he became manager as well, really played a key part in um, Reading's history. He knew the club, didn't he? He knew the running. And I think, you know, all the positive feedback about the club, you know, from that era is, that, you know, it was a family almost. It was everyone knew each other and everyone supported each other. It wasn't just about the team and the manager. It was about the backroom staff, you know, the club as a whole, John Majacy coming down to the change room. It, it was a united front, which is totally opposite to what we've got at the minute as a club, isn't it? It's very fractured. It's very secretive. No one really knows what's going on. We hear these rumours. Nobody clarifies if Mark Bowen is definitely doing it. And, you know, it's... It's a shame because that is the blueprint for success, wasn't it, with what yeah. they had? Yeah, and, and look, let, let's hope that 
Mark Bowen coming in, if if it does happen, it looks looks like it will do. Mark Bowen is director of football, former manager, of course, knows the 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 club. Not to the extent that Brian McDermott did, but no. let's hope that's the the start of something. Because the impression I get from the current owner is that he's he's obviously put a lot of money in. And I can't remember who it was, but somebody did say, you know, he's might have even been Kevin Doyle or or some one of the ex players possibly said, "Well, look, he's put in plenty of money. He's trying his best." Um, but um, yeah, it's not. He's he's not really a, a football man. So maybe he's kind of identified that, and, and maybe he actually does care about the club. The assumption seems to be that they don't care about the club. They don't know what they're doing. But um, you know, he's put plenty of money in. Mark Bowen as director of football is a positive move, so let let's see. But yeah, yeah, um, we've got two more managers on the short list, um, and, and there are specific reasons for for them being on the short list. The first one is Steve Clark, and it's really you know FA Cup semi final two thousand and fifteen, just fantastic to to achieve that, um, and it, I think. It's getting on for, you know, not too far short of a century since the... When was it? In the 20s, wasn't it? Reading got to the FA Cup semi-final. So, oh, jeez. I think it even... Something it? around then. It might even be... Yeah, it would be around there. Cause it, yeah, around that yeah, time. I've got a feeling in my head... Cardiff, I'm, wasn't it? They, they lost to Cardiff, yeah. Semi-final. Yeah. And then, you know, just, just to get them to the semi-final is worthy of... With, Worthy of a mention, yeah, um, and absolutely brilliant performance that semi final. Obviously, the end, we all know what happened with their second goal. Don't need to go there, but yeah, that was you know, good. they actually took Arsenal on and gave them a go, which I don't think anyone thought we'd even be that close. You know, we were thinking of 4 0, whatever. It's a nice day out, then to get that close to a, to a, you know, had chances to possibly even win the game. Yeah, went went to extra time, didn't it? And uh, yeah. as you say, I mean, you know, you don't know, but penalties. Who <laughs> yeah, who knows the penalties with us? That's a definite defeat. <laughs> bit like bit like England in the old days. But, yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Um, what what about Steve Clark? You know, away from the FA Cup as a manager in general, what what did you think? Well, I think you know he he. Started off well, but then I think the whole fiasco with Fulham, you know, this he wanted to leave and go and talk to them, take a job with them. Then it did, whatever didn't happen, and he came back to us. I think once you've, with any football club, you know, with Reading, you, you know, you do that to the fans and the club. The trust is gone, isn't it? Even if you come back and say, oh, I've changed your mind, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be a positive outcome. And, and, and it didn't work. The, you know, we certainly had some bright moments and some of the football was good, but yeah, it just, it was a shame. It's a shame because he, yeah. you know, obviously now he's a Scotland manager. He's doing a good job with Scotland. So he's, you know, just <laughs> another part yeah. of our wonderful history. And I think um, coming on to the last manager on our shortlist, I think if you look at um, high profile ex players who have been man- manager of Reading, I think if you drew up a list of who is the biggest 
in terms of profile as an ex-player. Obviously, we've had people like Mark McGeer as a player, Steve mm-hmm. Clark was a player, um, you know, Brian, McDermott, Brian McDermott played for Arsenal. Um, but I can't think of a bigger profile ex-player than Yap Stam as, as Reading no. manager, can you? No, not in this era. Obviously, you know, like Koppel, you know, England international back in the oh, day. Yeah, but, sorry, sorry, of course, Steve Koppel. But so. like you say, like in this era, you know, and I think yeah. and when, you know, I remember when Yapstam came to us, everyone went, like, like at the minute, it's like a gamble. It's like, where'd that come from? And all of a sudden, Yapstam's in his match. He took over, didn't he? And like a different, a different character, I think, to other managers, again, that we've had. I, I, maybe not the... Uh, Friendly, I, I know he came across as not the friendliest. He was very his. It was Yap's way, wasn't it? It was he had a certain way of doing things, and this is what's going to happen, which worked to a point. But then I think towards the end, I think that second season, it wasn't working, and he didn't seem to want to change his way of playing. Or and you know, and I think it, you know, it just ended the yeah. You know. But he, he certainly gave us that season of, of memories up to again another playoff final defeat. <laughs> Yeah, so finished finished third in the championship in his first season, but then, as you say, poor second season, um, and Reading haven't really recovered, have they? I mean, we finished seventh last season. Um, yeah, so hasn't hasn't gone too well since then. But um, yeah, well, let, so that's our our short list. So should we choose a, a top three? So let, let's kind of do it in in order. So we did this with the greatest players. Yeah. So, Johnny, of those on the shortlist, who's your top three in reverse order? So, start off oh, with, with your number three and why. Um, it's, it's got, actually, again, I was going for a four, you know, because I'm, I'm looking yeah, at... I've got a fourth as well. Yeah. So, um, top four then, go on. So fourth place and, and why. Um, you know, it, it, I, I go, this is just because of the type... I would say McGee fourth, Pards third, Brian second, and Steve first. That's me. But like McGee and Pards, I'm going because Mark McGee, playoff final, could have got to the Premier League. Pards didn't. But I think because of Pards' continual success of building, I don't know, it, it, I could be wrong. You'd probably say the other way around. I, it's a tough one. It's funny you should say that because <laughs> we've got the same top two and I don't think there's too many surprises there. But yes, I've got the other two, but the same, uh, you know, so the same two, but the other way around. So yeah, I've got Pardew fourth and, I, you know, I agree with what you're saying. Obviously, he laid the foundations for what was to follow with the one yeah. side. But I just think with, with Mark McGee, um, you know, he took them from... Uh, what is now League One. So in, in those days, it was called Division Two. Such a brilliant season, champions, um, you know, won the title. Yeah. And obviously, Pardew didn't do that. Won the title in 94. And then, you know, finished second and any other season would have gone automatically yeah. into the Premier League. Uh, my my only losing points for him is that he walked out halfway through. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But we're talking about we're not talking about. A, it's not a list of who did you like the most as a manager. It's who's the no, greatest just... manager, and that's why. You know, yes, of course, the Reading fans didn't like it, but that's why he went to Leicester because yeah. of what he did at Reading. 
Um, so I think in terms of greatest manager, um, yeah, for me, you know, he, he won the won the title, champions yeah. in 1994, and just such a brilliant season. Um, so he he takes third place ahead of Alan Pardew, but be interesting to see what other pe- other people think about, it, wouldn't it? I think yeah, people, yeah. like you say, first and second, probably. I think most people would certainly not in first place. Yeah. People agree on. And we're going to do at some point. We're going to do um, an episode where we talk about people who have made the biggest, you know, most significant contribution to Reading over the years. Um, and Brian McDermott certainly falls into that category because not only was he manager, won the title, but everything that he did before. So he he was a big factor when um, Steve Copper was there, you know, with the yeah. scouting and everything else that he did. So um, obviously got Reading up to the, the Premier League, won the championship title. But I think for me, you know, it has to be Steve Koppel. The 106 season, you know, champions, obviously. Um, and then the following season, you know, I know everyone talks about the 106 season and, of course, fantastic season. But to then follow that up by finishing yeah. eighth in the Premier League in your first yeah. season, um, for me, that's that's the the greatest season. And perhaps we'll do an episode yeah. about that at some point. But, That'd be interesting. But yeah, I think, it was. I, I think in terms of manager then Steve Koppel takes it because of those two seasons. Ah, to do it at the highest level and to do yeah. it the way he did and you know and, and you know it's the, the players that we had that's everything you know there's just an iconic time for Reading wasn't it and our happiest time <laughs> yeah yeah okay so that's our list um yeah. are you are you happy if we go for Pardew in fourth I'll give it to you you, you, you get you get you, you get the you get the, the last call on it like, like yeah. I, you know, it's... Do you kind of do you kind of see the reasons? Oh, totally, totally. I, but I, that's what I was saying. I could go one way. Like you asked me today, I'll say Pardew. You asked me tomorrow, I'll say McGee. Do you know they they both again both are part of. But I, I think our history. Yeah, but I think you know, for me, um, Morris Evans and Ian Bramford uh, are contenders as well because of what they did and the progression they made. Not so. Not really so much Morris Evans with progression, but he did win a title. And then that kind of what followed after that started with Morris Evans. And obviously Ian Bramford um, took Reading up from yeah. uh, Division 4 to Division 2, which is now the Championship, two divisions, and some of his achievements. So, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I could have easily put Ian Bramford in the top three. But I think, it's, you know, they're all major parts of our club's history aren't they and and you know appreciative of whatever they've done for the clubs because yeah. we wouldn't be without without them so, we wouldn't be where we are now yeah so I'll tell you what let's put Ian Bramford in fifth okay <laughs> so, <laughs> Ian Bramford fifth Alan Pardew fourth Mark McGee third Brian McDermott second and our greatest Reading manager from the last 50 years not really a massive surprise is Steve Coppel so yeah Congratulations, yeah. Steve. <laughs> so, another, tro- another trophy for you. We'll have to get on made. There you go. I don't know. I don't know how significant that would be. I'll tell you what, when I told um Graham Murty he was the captain, he was he was yeah. very chuffed about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he was very happy to hear that. So um, anyway, that so that's it for our greatest manager. Um but 
before we finish this episode, just want to pay recognition to the chairman over mm. the last 50 years. Now, we didn't want to do a whole episode on it because there's only really two to talk Same. about. But let's... Um, so our short list is, is to greatest Reading chairman from the last 50 years. I kind of suspect I know how this is going to go, but let's, let me just run through the um, achievements. So going back to Roger Smee, uh, now he took over in 83. Um, and the reason he took over is because Robert Maxwell tried to merge Reading and Oxford. So Roger Smee, ex-Reading player, Roger Smee MBE, by the way, um, former player. He said, look, we can't let this happen. So he came in, um, saved the club. You know, my dad was involved, uh, Roger Smee, Morris O'Brien in that first meeting. Um, saved the club, stepped in as, as chairman. Um, and until then, you know, even including Morris Evans, Reading had been a yo-yo club between Division three in Division Four, which is now League One and League Two. But then under Roger Smee, 1984, Reading won promotion to Division Three, 1985, record-breaking Royals, 1986, Division Three champions, followed by two seasons in Division Two, which is now the championship, won the Simod Cup. So I think the very fact that he saved the club from Robert Maxwell, really, um, you know, what, what do you make of what, Roger Smead did for Reading. It's funny, isn't it? When you, and, and to actually kind of see everything written down, what a, what a you know, success he was. And, and what, again, which doesn't seem to happen now, you know, it's like the chairman are there for a number of years, like both him and Sir John. And now we're, you know, we're chopping and changing with CEOs, whatever they call it now, and owners and stuff. But they, they, there was there some stability in the club, wasn't there? For those periods of time where things were allowed to develop. Um, yeah. You know, successfully, both eras, and, and you know, with Roger, and that, that start again, that major, major starting point for what the club became. Um, and the most important thing, if it wasn't for him and those folks involved, we may not be a club nowadays. You know, yeah. going back, and that's that's huge. You know, we can talk about Steve Coppel and everyone else and everyone else, but if that merger hadn't have been halted. Roger Smee was re responsible for that. And we've had Roger Ware yeah. in yeah. first meeting, um, ex-Chronicle sports editor, been a Reading fan for 72 years. He was a guest. And he said uh, it was going to happen. That merger was going to happen. It wasn't something that Robert Maxwell was just talking about. The wheels were already in motion. And it was only because of Roger Smee's resilience. You know, I don't know if that came from his playing days but he got the, the lawyers in and um you know he was just determined that it shouldn't happen and but it, it was you know it, it was on a knife edge and yeah. he just it was like almost like the equivalent of a rocky story <laughs> defeating yeah. Robert Maxwell um so let's talk about Sir John Medeski now um at one point he was only John Medeski not Sir John Medeski but um you know, everything he's, he's achieved. Uh, used to work at the Reading Evening Post in the ad sales department. Um, and then Auto Trader then took over Reading um, and just took them to the next level. His ambition was to get Reading in the Premier League. He achieved that. 
So um, 1994, uh, Mark McGee, his team won what is now League One. 1995, second in what is now the Championship, got to the Wembley playoff final. 2002, promoted to what is now the Championship. 2006, won the Championship title, record 106 points. Um, 2006, 2007, first season in the Premier League, finished eighth. 2007, 2008, second season in the Premier League, unfortunately got relegated. And then 10 years ago, 2012 Championship winners. Um, And then the following season, the third season for Reading in the Premier League. I mean, just to get read into the Premier League, um, but then to finish eighth and three seasons in the Premier League, went back up again. But just talking about everything that he's done for the club, the stadium, and, you know, we've had someone on as a guest saying they don't think he should have named the stadium after him. I'm saying he can do that because of everything he achieved. You know, he deserves that if he wants to name the stadium after him. Fair play to him, everything that he's he's done. You imagine saying that to any fans. Okay, I'm going to take Reading, who have been a Division Three, Division Four club, going to take us up into the Premier League. We're going to finish eighth, but I want to name the stadium after me. You tell me one Reading fan <laughs> who would have agreed to that. I mean, I know what a man. What a you know, Roger Smee was, um, and certainly Sir John Madeski was. What he did for Reading, just incredible. Yeah, and, and I think again he's somebody that fans identified with, wasn't he? You know, um he was a he was a people person. He was at the game, people see him. Um I, I remember there's a picture of me and my mate, we were at, out on a night out and you know, at the hotel that on his birthday he was there and you know, sat there still owes us a pint, but we let him off that since he you know did a good job with the club. But he was Dylan just that as well, didn't he? Dylan said that he yeah, still owes yeah. drink. That's but why he's got more money than me. Businessmen <laughs> are sometimes like that, aren't they? And obviously yeah. successful and Rogers was the same. You look at that now though, Mark, and you're looking at yeah, third season of the Premier League, 2012, 2013, and then he's gone pretty much from yeah. then. And well, look where we are now. No, it's not. It's sad. It's sad when you look at it like that, but it's actually the, the realism, isn't it? But um, what I'm going to say is we're not going to choose, inverted commas, a winner here. Um, What I'd just like to do really is just take an opportunity to recognise what Roger Smee did. And obviously, we all know what Sir John Medeski did. And I I don't want to choose a winner here because um, two very different stages of the club's history. So Roger Smee saved the club and um, Sir John Medeski took the club to a whole new level. So... Um, I don't think it's right to pick, as I say, inverted commas, a winner, um, because they both had a significant impact for Reading. And obviously, John Madowski is, is a is a favourite for um, Reading fans, and they all know what he achieved. And it's gone wrong since he left. Uh, but we we just really want to, you know, recognise what what both men did. Um, yeah, you can't you can't underestimate what Roger Smee did. And he saved the club. There's no two ways about it. So if he hadn't have done that, you know, we wouldn't have got to the Premier. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I can't imagine Thames Valley Royals would have actually lasted for that long. You no. Know? No. And I think you look at them, and, and like you said, we've had all the players and managers that come on and you know been part of it. But they're two big people that, without, again, we wouldn't be where we are now, and we wouldn't have had the successes that we did during those eras. 
without yeah. them being the, the head person. Um, and hopefully, you know, we will get back there again with a strong person in charge at the top yeah. um, and have an identity back. And I think that's the thing that those two gave us was that identity, wasn't it, Reading? Now, before we go, I'm just going to ask you, and we're not going to pick a winner here either, but seeing as we're talking about <laughs> greatest manager, you know, the chairman, the owners, what they've done for the club. And by the way, we we obviously weren't going to include anyone since John Madejski. Uh, we might we might have someone else on the list in the future. Who knows? It seems a bit unlikely at the moment, but you never know. You see what happened with Newcastle, Man City, etc. I know we're not at that level, but we can, we can but hope. We can keep our fingers crossed that something good happens. But um, I'm just going to ask you, Johnny, your favourite stadium out of the two on the shortlist. Elm Park or, or the Madstad? So Elm Park, 1896 to 1998, 102 years. And then uh, Madejski Stadium, now, of course, a select car leasing stadium. Um, people still taking uh, a while to get used to saying that. And it's sort of <laughs> abbreviated to SCL, isn't it? Um, so since 1998, um, I mean... Best stadium, favourite stadium? What What are your thoughts? Well, success, su- yeah, successful stadium, obviously, the Majeski. But I think as a fan, you know, just because of, you know, the terracing, you know, the Elm Park era, um, probably, you know, I guess the throwback to what football used to be. Um, and just the special nights, I think, at the Elm Park under the floodlights. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, just different, different, you know, Majeski was great, some great nights there as fans, but that just was a different different kettle of fish, if you like. And, um, you know, for, for me personally, the experiences of, of being at that ground. And it was the atmosphere, wasn't it? And you could yeah. feel it. Like, you know, I agree with you. Those midweek games under floodlights, Michael Jilts bombing down the wing. It was just, you could feel that energy, couldn't you? You could feel that atmosphere. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I was at that game when uh, Reading had um, got the 13 wins at the start of the season in 1985. And then the Wolves game, uh, Reading were top, Wolves were bottom. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone assumed it was going to be 14 wins in a row. Steve Bull was playing for Wolves that night. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was 2 all. And the official attendance was something like 13,500. But yeah. the actual attendance was probably more than 20,000. Yeah. I remember, I think one game, I think it was the Middlesbrough game in ninety. Eight, I think it was, and Daz, I remember there. I literally had to leap over the turnstile to get in before they closed the gates. <laughs> it was, it was uh, absolutely insane. Um, but it was, you know, the Royal Rendezvous as well. You know, yeah, um, that was part of that that little uh, little old place that uh, was was home for, for, for so more, many of us, wasn't more it? More than a hundred years, not not yeah. Quite, obviously, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 look, we're not saying. Oh, it's it was better in the old days. We're not saying that, but the atmosphere, you know, and it was a, a happy time. It was just a, a really great time to be a Reading fan. Yeah, in, in you know, in the eighties, that record-breaking Royal season, fantastic, and yeah, just the, the atmosphere. So my favourite stadium. It's really easy, Elm Park. But look, I'm all we agreed. Yeah, we agreed. Favorite, <laughs> I don't know best, best stadium. I suppose nah. you, you have to say Madejski Stadium, don't you? That's a different, again, a different world, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, um, it's progress, isn't it? I mean, you couldn't, 
we couldn't have stayed at Elm Park. No. I mean, obviously there are certain grounds, but even, you know, even Everton are going to a new ground now. Yeah, yeah no, it's just never, never going to happen, was it? And again, you know, to, you know, to kudos to Sir John again, wasn't it, for that whole vision of getting the new stadium yeah. and doing what he did with that to give us yeah. a, a home like that, that, you know, we've had yeah. some of my most successful days and nights. All right, so we, we've talked about Roger Smee, Sir John Medeski, their contribution to the to the club, um, but the uh, the episode was um, mostly about our uh, greatest Reading manager from the last fifty years. So we had in fifth place Ian Bramford, in fourth place Alan Pardew, uh, third was Mark McGee, second Brian McDermott, and our greatest Reading manager from the last fifty years, Steve Coppel. So. So that's it for this episode. Tomorrow we're looking back on um, Reading Women's season. So that's available from 6.30pm tomorrow. And then on next Sunday's episode, we'll look back on the record-breaking Royals who won the first 13 games at the beginning of the 85-86 season. So that's it, Johnny. Um, so thanks thanks for the listeners for joining us. Um, and uh, yeah, the next uh, Sunday episode is um, available at 10am next Sunday where we'll be looking at the record-breaking roles. And then tomorrow evening, Monday evening, is um, a look back at the um, Reading women's season. Yeah. So looking forward to that. Sports Social Podcast Network.